Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 338. This week we have an awesome episode. We have a previous guest coming back on, Gustavo Dantes. He's going to talk about jiu-jitsu. He's going to talk about uh, the jujitsutribe.org. Uh, check that website out. So grab your popcorn now so you'll be ready uh, when we get Gustavo on. Uh, as usual, I'm here with Joe. I'm here with Byron. And we also are here kind of with Jules Renard. Uh, Jules has a quote of the week. It is not how old you are, but how you are old. Uh, once again, it is not how old you are, but how you are old. And uh, kind of a wordplay there. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what you guys think about it, but I think uh, you know. Let's take myself. Let's take Joe. Uh, we're both fifty-two, going on fifty-three, and I say years young. Um, I don't say year old years old um you know joe and i we act like two well i do i can't include joe in there i act like i'm in fifth grade um but i try to stay young by acting young by laughing i think laughter is great um so i don't care how many years i've been on this earth i i you know i don't know i guess i see some people are 52 years old and you know they go to bed at four or they go to the uh uh, doctor every week and I don't know I, I don't want to be that person I, I, I do jujitsu to try to stay healthy I work out to try to stay healthy I laugh I think that keeps me younger it keeps my stress level lower and um, you know I don't care how many years the calendar says I am old I, I don't feel it Gary you ever heard that country song I'm not as good as I once was but I'm as good once as I ever was yes yeah, so Great song. Th- that was the song that came to mind when I when I read that quote, and I, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that as a guy getting older, I, I would rather grapple eight to ten times a month and feel good when I'm on the mats than than try and push it. And I think that's kind of how this relates to old people. I'm not telling anybody else that's up there in years how they should train, but for me, if I go in a couple times a week, I feel like I could be really good those two times a week. And I feel if I push it too much, then it starts to have a negative effect. I, I pass that point of diminishing returns. So that's kind of what I got out of this is as you get older, you need to find a way to be good at being old. It's it's not going to be the same way that you were good when you were young. So just to find a way that makes it work for you and you can be as good once as you ever were. Dang Joe. I, I like it. Um, it, we were we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and Joe was asking me how many times I trained, and I said, you know, two, maybe three days a week. And I really think I perform better at 52 years old, two days a week. Um, you know, I start. There are weeks where I'll go five days a week, and uh, I, I think that's too much for me at this age of my life. Um, I don't recover as well. I'm sore, and if I do go three days, I like to take one day, kind of a soft training day, a lot more drilling or light rolling. Um, but I like that, Joe. I, we, not everybody is going to be like that. There are people who can roll every day. So Joe's not telling you not to, but for me to be as good as I once was, 
I need a little bit more rest. I need better nutrition. I need more sleep. Guys, this quote speaks to me a little bit differently. Um, it, so it's not how yeah, old. That's, that's because Gary and I are old and you're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how old then, you are, but how you are old. How, how are you aging? How are you doing these things? And on and off the mat, like, are you treating your, your, your body and mind? Are you, are you eating healthy foods? Are you at a healthy weight? Are you taking good care of yourself? Uh, you getting a good night's sleep. How are you aging? And, and I look at this sometimes in jiu-jitsu. You, you go to Instagram or Facebook, and people are posting pictures of their hands all tore up from playing, you know, these these grip fighting games where it tears up your knuckles, or you're bragging, you know, they're kind of bragging about the the damage they're taking, or uh, just having to ice themselves. You know, this part of my body, this part, like I'm taking a lot of uh, damage. And you know what? Part of that is real. If you want to become, a, you know, a certain level of competitor, you have to endorse and stuff like that. But you also need to think, how am I going to be when I'm old? And and when you get to be like Joe or Gary, you're going to wish you took better care of yourself when you were younger. And, and, and no matter where you are in life, the future you would always appreciate a little bit of help from that past you. And so if you're tearing your hands up now as people – like my example I always give is if I grab onto Joe's pant leg and he's going to kick out of it, I let go. Like I know he's fully capable of kicking hard enough to break the grip I'm going to put on that. And if he doesn't, it's going to shock my hands. There's a lot of shock load into my hands anyway, but I just say I can see that grip. I don't need my hands to, to absorb several of those a week or a day or even a month. If I see like that kind of a load is going to be put on my hands, I let go. I want to have decent hands as I get older. And, and I want to, you know, I don't know what the future lies for technology wise, but if I need to type on a keyboard or type in my phone or, 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 pet the dog or whatever. Like, I want to have decent hands or, or body parts. So if you find yourself doing jujitsu and it's tearing you up physically, I think you might reevaluate this. And it can't be a long-term strategy. It can be a short-term. If, you aren't, if you're competing at a big tournament or whatever and it's coming up, you, you intensify your training and it, it might do you know uh, some, some negative things. But long-term, I think it's a very hard thing to do to yourself. Byron, though, what do you say about the guy who talks about artificial robots, artificial intelligent robots down the road. Um, I've had people tell me, hey, I don't need hands. I don't need arms. I don't need legs. I don't need to pet the dog. I don't need to type on a keyboard, you know, stuff you were just talking about, because my artificial intelligence robot will do that in the future. So what would you say to those guys? Well, <laughs> I don't even understand that, Gary. Um, <laughs> you want to have, I, I mean, I was saying any particular argument, you want to have a healthy body as you age. And, and some people will do jujitsu in a way that it's actually tearing their body up, but it can be done in a way where you're it's helping you age properly. And if you're in your twenties, you can get away with that. You could get away with treating yourself pretty hard. And I remember I, I I'd go home, I would be sore in the car driving home. I'd be sore when I got home. I'd go to bed. I could hardly go to sleep. I was so sore. I wake up, feel pretty good. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. And it's like it takes longer and longer to recover from things. It's only gonna get worse. Yeah. So I need to to consider these things and and any well, damage I'm doing to my body. That's real. Sometimes sometimes it's just soreness and it goes away. But you know if you're if you're destroying your knees or, or whatever, you're going to age with these things and they're going to be with you. Gary, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Can my AI robot fight? Is yes. It act- oh, that's, yeah. The- that's the thing. I mean, we won't even, I mean, Joe and I, 
we have already planned on going to the same nursing home. But what we can do is it'll be like that movie where they had those big robots that fought each other and uh, you kind of controlled the robot like Rock'em Sock'em robots. I, I think it's called Real Steel. I just looked yeah, it up. Real yeah, Real Steel. Yep. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all about that, Gary. Yeah. So what we'll do is, but we'll do jujitsu. You know, we'll have, uh, we'll be doing that in the activity room. Gary, we all know you're going to have a robot, but it's not going to be one that fights. <laughs> It'll do something else for you. Um, <laughs> guys, to make a transition here. <laughs> There's no transition out of that one, Byron. Okay, to, to make a smooth transition here, robot, I have been under attack by robots. Ooh. Uh, literally on my phone. And I'm I'm ready to call victory on this. And I don't know where you guys are with this situation and your cell phones, but I was getting two to four calls a day, usually in the afternoon, from phone numbers that were in my area code, often had a very similar number to my own, and it was some kind of a robocall. And no matter what you would do, it always would get you to call, get more calls. Like if you just hang up, you, they call again in an hour. If you hit one and then try to get on a no call list, and you just get called again in an hour. Like there was nothing. Have you guys been hit by any of these robo calls? I, I like don't. I, I don't know. But I was talking to Gary the other day, and he said I've been trying to call Byron every <laughs> afternoon. He keeps hanging up on me. <laughs> so, well, an, an example of this to to speak of the problem, if if. You aren't getting these, which I think you guys probably are. But uh, some bill came through, um, you know, politically wise, and and everybody voted for it on both sides of the political parties. And and somebody's telling me, it's like, oh, what bill was that? You know, what are we agreeing on in this country? And it was to to help crack down on these calls somehow that are coming from overseas. It's really hard to crack down on these things. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of where we're at now with this with these technologies and, and able to make phone calls. Uh, from around the world, almost like they're local. But I've I've defeated this, and I think I can bring this lesson back onto the mat and give us an approach at jiu-jitsu as well for an off-the-mat lesson. Well, tell us how you defeated it. Okay. <laughs> I, just one day I started, I was being a little ornery, and I had a really good time uh, with this experience. So they call, and I you know I hit one, because I, I would like to ask to be off the list. The guy goes in and he and he confirms my name, uh, Baron Jabir, Jabira, and, and I was like I was already mildly annoyed. He he butchered my name, which is not uncommon, you know whatever. And, and I go, you got him, like real excited and happy, like this is you know you got it, man. And uh, and then he went into his script about selling me. Um, some kind of, uh, I think I was in trouble with my social security number or something like that. And, uh, and I was like, man, I really don't want to deal with this thing. And so I, 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 I waited for a pause in the conversation and I go, sounds good to me. And then he went on to a, a little bit more of a script and, and then he paused again. I go, you got him. And I started acting like a robot. I just would, I would, when he paused, I would say like a two or three word response oftentimes inappropriate like like not inappropriate but like it wouldn't make sense in a conversation like absolutely you know or whatever and and he he paused again and there was a, like a, a bit of dead air and I go you got it and then he hung up 
And then I, I, I got a call again. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how this went over the course of a couple of days. They call some more. And I was like, that was pretty funny. And, and so just act like a robot. And after, after this, like, four or five days, I haven't got another call to do this anymore. And it's been well over a week. I think that they figured out that I have programmed some machine to answer my phone and waste their time. <laughs> and they've taken me off any kind of a, a list they do have. And even if they do call me, I will have fun again and I'll uh, act like a robot. I can't do the robot dance like uh, Gary or Joe, but uh, I could I could impersonate one over the phone. To drag this back onto the Mets, and I do recommend if you're getting these calls, try that out and give it a few tries. It'll make you smile a little bit, and it really did work for me. Uh, but to drag this back onto the map, if every time I try to pass Joe's guard, he's hitting me with a sweep. Every time I try to pass uh, Gary's guard, he's hitting me with a Kimura. Maybe I should try a different approach. Maybe I should try a different pass. Maybe I should try to pull guard and 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 have them try to pass my guard. Like just taking a different approach. So I've been trying to get off lists and and trying to be polite or just hang up or or whatever it is. But this approach, a different angle entirely, seems to have worked. And uh, so anytime you're kind of running into that brick wall uh, in jujitsu and it's just not working out for you. Sometimes you have to keep trying and, and pursue the, the guard pass that you really want to work on and develop. Sometimes it's better to go around it and try a new way. Man, I think that's a great life lesson. Uh, Gary, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the robo calls. So for the next week from 3 to 7 p.m., <laughs> I'm, for, I'm forwarding all my calls to Byron. <laughs> I, I like the idea. Um, you know, I think that's awesome. And uh, I have no clue. Like, who knows? I mean, maybe Byron's getting robocalled right now. We don't know. It can just happen all the time. Yeah, I, yeah like I say, I don't, I don't get those calls now or I, maybe not again in the future. It, it's just it's it's kind of fun as well as you as you get these calls. I think what what got me to do it was the the old Home Alone movie that um, he had that tape record player of the of the ba- the bad guy in the movie. And he's like he would say something like, "Yeah, I knew it was you," or, or "What are you doing looking at me?" or like, and it would scare the guys about it. So I don't know uh, what what made me decide to do that, but it, I thought it was uh, it'd be kind of funny and. I kept doing it, and then they just quit. So it uh... well, the bad thing it was is you used to work for MCI and, and make those outbound uh, uh, unsolicited sales calls, and uh, you probably loved it when people did that to you, didn't you? I did. So when I was in, I think I was in college, maybe early college. I uh, yeah, I did. I worked at MCI. It was I was not good at it, <laughs> but it was back in the day when you would have long distance. Uh, the phone plans and and remember uh, waiting or you might not Byron but Joe remember waiting until after seven o'clock to call because it was only ten cents a minute after seven. Yeah, uh, nights and weekends got a little yeah. cheaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we used to. Uh, Byron, let's hear your script. Sell us some. Sell us some long distance plans. Okay. Uh, how would you like a five cent a minute? Pro- I have no idea, Gary. I'd like to sell you guys an audio book, though. Your first year of BJJ. <laughs> if, if you're new to jujitsu, and 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 you're having to go through a lot of hurdles that we all go through, especially in that first year, it's tough. 
and 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 you like audio content about jiu-jitsu. If that's you, and it might be because you are listening to a podcast about jiu-jitsu, boy, have we got the right audiobook for you. Your first year of Brazilian jiu-jitsu audiobook. It's by me, Byron Jabara. It's about two and a half hours long. It takes you from everything, from step one, from finding the right gym for you all the way to doing uh, tournaments and competing, if that's what you want to do, and everything in between about the different techniques you need to, to work on developing and uh, you know fitting jujitsu in your actual schedule and, uh, and and the benefits of jujitsu, some of the off the mat benefits, a lot of different stuff in there. Uh, I think it's going to help out a lot of it, it has helped out a lot of people, but I think it can help out you if you're early on in your jujitsu career. You could be just starting, you could be in there for six months. It's still going to help you out. It's all the stuff I would want to tell you if. If we were to sit down together and you say, hey, I've been training for three months. Well, okay, I, w- I want to make sure you're doing this correctly. Or I want to make sure that you have this thought about jiu so that, that way uh, your training goes well. All that stuff, I've packed it into one audio book. It's $11.99. The money goes and helps support the show, the BJJ Brick podcast. And uh, it's 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 been a, a great tool that has helped many people. Check it out. It's in the BJJ Brick shop. There's a link to it in the show notes. And uh, I want to help you guys get through that first year, not just getting through it, but with a smile and as good as you could possibly be. I'll take two. All right. Hold on to the line, Gary. I'll patch you through to the uh, approval person and look at you switched right over. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary. <laughs> well, all right. With, with the sales pitch <laughs> out of the way and the robocall defense is up uh guys i'm excited to bring gustavo dantas back onto the show uh he he had a great interview the first time we've had him he's been away for a couple of years he's a busy guy he's doing a lot for jiu-jitsu he also has a podcast so check that out as well after you hear this especially if you like what you hear from gustavo and uh he has a little bit different focus with his podcast but it's still more gustavo and who could who could uh turn that down so here comes our interview with gustavo dantas all right, my friends, I'm excited to bring Gustavo Dantes back to the BJJ Brick podcast. Gustavo, it's been since, uh, I think, 2014, um, late, late uh, 2014, when you were on the show last. You had episode 60, and uh, we're well in, into the 300s now, and uh, we're excited to bring you back. You did a, uh, a very great interview last time, and they really changed some stuff with the way we look at jujitsu and competition and that sort of thing. But uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yes, five years, episode sixty, and still going strong. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's we just try to keep it fun, and and, and uh, I think we have a, a desire to keep learning things. So it's as long as we're learning on here too, that's that's good to go. So uh, five yes, years sir. has been a been a while. Could you bring us back up to speed? Maybe just a little bit about like before that time, if they haven't listened to the interview, and then really what have you been doing uh, in the last five years? Well. I do a little bit of everything. I have the, the entrepreneurial DNA, so I'm always uh, playing around with different things with the academy, of, you know, promote events and so forth, and WGJ Metal Coach, and I started a podcast. And But one of the main things I've been focusing in the past few years, picking up a little bit more and more, I started, uh, I co-founded a nonprofit organization 10 years ago, and every year being able to do a little more. So that's something that in the past five years, with little by little, trying to get more, put a more connection between the BJJ Mental Coach and uh, Jiu-Jitsu Tribe was the name of the organization. 
and has been great. So little by little, try to get the word out so people in the jujitsu community know more about those social projects that they don't have too many in the U.S. There's only there's two or three here that at least I'm aware of that we've been able to support. But a lot of them are in Brazil. In Brazil, they have uh, a bunch of them. And I'd love to see more in the U.S. But right now, so that's the idea using, as you already know, and all the listeners who are jiu-jitsu practitioners, you know the benefits of jiu-jitsu, you know, all the personal development that, that you get from it. And a lot of people, uh, I, I mean, we're blessed to be exposed to, but a lot of people, especially kids that in impoverished communities, that could definitely benefit from it. They cannot afford it. And they have some incredible, I like to call the superheroes, people who really take their time to serve others and teach for free, which is incredible. So we, we look for those projects are doing incredible work and do our best, our best to support them. That, that's great. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things real quick. I want to uh, get out to everybody. Uh, the podcast uh, can be found basically whatever app you're listening to this podcast on now, just go in and, and type in, uh, uh, BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. It'll pop right up, and you can listen to that there. And uh, uh, the BJJMentalCoach.com is the website, and then it's a dot or it's uh, JujitsuTribe.org for the uh, Jujitsu Tribe charity. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh, um, what what got you started with with doing the Jujitsu Tribe? I oh, since uh, for people who are listening maybe don't know about my background i i grew up in brazil and i lived in rio until i was 24 and i always had the desire of doing something with related to social work but uh, i don't know i felt that at that moment it would be tough to create something and then as the time went by i just i just decided to create an organization to support those projects and man in brazil one of the things that, of course, it happens anywhere in the world, but as far as my experience of seeing uh, people, some of the kids who live in some of the bad neighborhoods and basically the drug dealers, they start, they have a, a career path for the kids. You know, you can be 10 years old and you don't have to carry any drugs or anything. You can just watch if the police is coming or not, and then you get paid more than mom and dad together. Plus, you can get nice shoes and, and clothing and whatever. So it's pretty tempting for a lot of them. And sports in general help them. A lot of those projects in Brazil help the kids to stay away from that. And jiu-jitsu is one of them. So having my connection with jiu-jitsu, I just decided to support those programs. And again, like I wish they had in other places trying to explore to find other organizations, there are not that many, but right now most of the programs are in Brazil. But that was the idea, just support people who are getting uh, getting hope for those kids. And a lot of them, and it's not even necessarily related to how they're going to become champions or whatever. It's just really training jiu-jitsu. You don't need jiu-jitsu uh, competition to take advantage of the this tool that is jiu-jitsu, the personal development tool. Uh, you don't need the competition. However, I believe that competitions can amplify the power of this tool of, you know, dealing the emotional growth that you have from competing, the mental. So a lot of those kids, they end up competing, 
but not necessarily. And a lot of the times there are great stories that come out of projects of kids who live in Brazil and actually make a living with jiu-jitsu and started just with a project, which is pretty incredible. So can you describe uh, some of the, the things? You, I mean, you mentioned that they could uh, kind of help some of these drug cartels, that sort of thing, but can you describe some of the environments that, the, that these kids are living in? Yeah, I just well, recorded this in January of 2020. I recently got back from Brazil from a trip just visiting some of the projects that we support. And one of them is called Projeto Gaditas in, is in the south of Brazil. Man, this guy does an incredible job. Uh, basically, he he started getting involved with drugs and, and crime when he was 12. So... For, for 10 years and eventually he got you know, really bad into like even smoking crack. I mean, he got really bad and I was like close to people try to kill him, all that kind of stuff. And then jujitsu actually helped him to kind of get out of this, uh, this world. And he, he decided to start, a, a, even when, when he was a blue belt, he decided that, you know, I want to start, I want to teach jujitsu to kids that got involved at the same time that I did, you know, to keep them away. So he started doing that and little by little, uh, started growing and he started just on, on, uh, on in the backyard of, of, of his house and just put in a tarp. The next thing they, they raised money, got a few mats and the thing just start growing. Um, next thing, sometimes after class, he invited one or two kids to eat. And because some of them, they didn't have what to eat and the things started to get involved to a moment right now, it becomes an orphanage and there are 18 kids that live there. And it's incredible how the experience to stay a few days there, you know, watching the everyday sleeping there and just kind of seeing like and listening to some men, crazy stories of uh, parents of like uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And basically, they're like adopting uh, kids that uh, they really have like nothing really good going on in their lives, and they're going to towards uh, crime. And some of the kids that I that I met, I couldn't believe. I said, like, man, I can't believe. I can imagine this kid so nice and, and getting involved with this, but that's the crowd that they were they were walking around uh, back then, and and now. He does such an amazing job. He started uh, all out of the eighteen that live there. Uh, all eighteen have won the Brazilian Nationals at least once. So besides, I you know that competition definitely get them focused on on a goal and everything. Uh, so all of them end up are competing. But the program they have like two more uh, locations, other little centers that they teach. So the team together has about uh, close to two hundred kids now. All teaching, you know, they teach, uh, it's all for free. Wow. I, I just think about um, having that, uh, that that accomplishment is, is a tremendous confidence boost for somebody who uh, might not have much. Yeah, and the experience for many of them, they, man, to be able to travel, go to a different state to yeah. compete, you know, and... Uh, it's it literally is life changing for a lot of them. And he started basically with, a, uh, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago. He 
he decided to start taking kids to compete at the Brazilian Nationals. So he did a fundraiser, though he took one. One kid, I think the kid ended up taking second. Next year, they started to kind of do a little more and do fundraisers. It's not easy to travel inside of Brazil, especially if you come from a social project. So they need to do all kinds of fundraisers. And then eventually start getting to like more and more and more. Now, if you have to in, just imagine you or, or the listener, you're, you're, let's say you're, you help out with the jiu-jitsu class, you know, the youth or teens or kids or whatnot. And then they say like, hey, uh, we're going to take 70, 70. We're going to fly 70 kids to a different state to compete in a tournament. Can you handle all that? Would you be able to do it? <laughs> no. I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I would. And that's what they did this year. They flew 70 uh, kids and to the Brazilian National, which was really cool. And they shot a documentary um, of everything like before and during and after. And, and our organization helped with that. And now in February, I think 3rd or 4th, that's when they have a preview in a movie theater in Brazil in the south, which is really cool. So the goal would be their subtitles and eventually kind of present to the world. I... From uh, as far as I know, that's the most successful social project in Brazil as far as jiu-jitsu related. It's pretty incredible uh, what they do. There's one kid got an incredible story that he uh, got in, saw trained jiu-jitsu uh, and then got involved. His two cousins were part of the cartel and then kind of got hooked up with them, stopped training. And then eventually, long story, but eventually he was able to bring the kid back. One one of the cousins died, the other one went to prison. And he offered him like, hey, get back to training. We're going to go to to Sao Paulo for the Brazilian Nationals. Just stay here. So he was kind of like try to sell him to the trip. You know, just stay here, train for a month. And the kid was really talented. And so they, they flew there. He ended up winning. And... After that, there was kind of like the motivation that he needed. He never went back to um, to crime or anything. Matter of fact, he just turned 18, just got his purple belt, and now he lives in uh, Dublin, Ireland. He's uh, he working in a restaurant. He's an assistant um, jiu-jitsu coach. And a kid that, man, had like everything to just – like basically either go to prison or die. And then that experience of him flying for the first time, going to a competition, seeing everyone to get experienced that and got him a goal. And, and now he, uh, and then 2019, that's when he moved there. So it's a pretty incredible story, man. Wow. Yeah. And, and he, now he's in Ireland. Yeah. That's yeah. So, and that was cool that a few months ago, uh, Eduardo, which is the uh, his uh, who's the the coach, flew first time he left uh, Brazil, so he went there. Uh, the kid's brother went there to compete too, so they raised money to go there, kind of visit. Now the goal is to like little by little get them to be exposed to other countries now, because man, he does a, a great job with. He find tutors and tutors in a community to help uh, psychologists or dentists that want to donate their time. You know, students that in order to graduate need to kind of offer their time. So they treat 
the way he treat this kid, the kids are, it's just, it's just incredible what he's able to do with not much support. So one of the things that we did, we started supporting them about two years ago, um, a little bit over two years. And the mission of our organization has evolved because we used to buy uh, buy geese and entry fee for tournaments and buy some mats and, and so forth, stuff like that. And then we started to look for the like serious projects and we to go there and do a basically like a makeover, go there and help to fix up the place that is falling apart and uh, give them some month, uh, money for the monthly expenses that have to run. You know, because a lot of them, you know, like end up not even work, just serving. That's what they do. And they just work by donations. So the jujitsu tribe, we are able to because um, all those 18 kids used to live in in one room full of bunk beds and stuff. So the project was to kind of get the um, start build up more, more houses, uh, more, more rooms in the house and so forth. And uh, jujitsu tribe helped to speed up the process. So we raise uh, close to ten thousand dollars to do, which in Brazil that's kind of a lot of money, and able to to get multiple rooms so separate the boys from the girls, the little ones from the bigger ones, and uh, now they're creating uh, they close a partnership with a uh, English school so they can go there and teach English to the kids like three times a week, you know, for free. So all that kind of stuff. So we were able to do that. Plus, we give them a monthly salary to, to help with their uh, the basic, you know, just electricity, water, and basic food. You know, so so this is the the project that uh, we we already finished. You know, that the phase we still like now is just maintenance. We send in the the monthly, but the more things you still keep improving. Now we working. We we just doing one basically one project at a time. Yeah. It it sounds like you guys are making a a big difference there. Could you like so everybody you should go to the org and check out the pictures. They're really amazing and uh you have some video on there as well. Can you describe to the listener the the gym or the training environment that they have? You know, I went to a place that's one that's one of the programs that we currently working on on the fundraise that it's in Salvador Bahia. That's uh, probably the, I don't know, the toughest one that, uh, that I've seen so far. And I feel that everyone who's listening, of course, either you train jiu-jitsu or you have trained jiu-jitsu at some point. And especially if you're an adult, you get out of maybe work or go before work or whatever. You go in uh, after class maybe is the time they could be with your family you go there and train go back home and that's it now imagine if i say like okay when you get out of home you're going to train in a place that the mats are placed on the street and whether it's raining or is sunny or it's hot or it's cold that's how we're going to train uh the buses drive by about three to four feet away from the mats would you like to train so uh I thought that I was committed to jiu-jitsu and I saw like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know, yeah. because some of the things that uh, I saw and for the listeners have a chance to go to jujitsutribe.org, there's a video of them training. Uh, it's raining and they're there training normal. There's no one complaining. Um, 
people train. So I was there a few months ago. I was there earlier last year as well. And that was a impactful experience for me because of the stories as well. You know, he has been teaching on the street for the past five years. And he used to teach in, a, in someone's garage uh, with a little tarp and stuff. And the person sold the house. They didn't have where to go. And and it's a very it's a very rough area too. One of the most uh, violent areas of uh, Salvador. And he decided, you know what? We're going to put the tarp here. And they start doing and and worked. And now they have a lot of kids that, same thing. He, he is literally uh, saving lives. There's uh, some of the stories that you hear. And when you think about it, guys, if you, if you guys are parents and maybe it's like, Imagine you're a 10-year-old, you're a 12-year-old, you know what I mean? This some of the things that you hear, like, man, that this is wrong. That should not be happening. Um, he was saying how, for example, there's one kid that was getting trouble, same thing, uh, just doing a little robberies here and there. And this is like, we're talking like 12 years old. And... And then he started training jiu-jitsu, so he started doing less of those things, but he's still kind of friends with uh, uh, with some of them. And and then one day he got inv- he got invited to do, I think they're going to break in some somewhere or whatever. And the kid decided that he wanted to train. So what happened is next day, um, uh, the boy went to Delhi, the instructor, and said, um, you know, uh, yesterday – Two of my friends invited me to go there to break in a place, and I chose to come to, to train. And they both shot, uh, got shot, and died yesterday. This is like kids that we're talking. You know what I'm saying? So this is the kind of impact that guys like these are bringing to communities. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to bring, whether jujitsu or soccer or whatever, people who are donating their time to make a difference. And and they are. There's this other little kid. I think there's a a picture of of me with him on on a website too. So he was telling me like, hey, you see that kid right there? He's uh, he is a yellow belt. Uh, I think he's 12, 13 years old. And, and he said he used to he got hooked up with the uh, the cartel, and. Basically, he got to the point that he was delivering drugs and stuff like that. Well, the kid is that young, and then he started to play around with uh, with the drugs and start using. Of course, he doesn't have money to uh, to pay for it. And the cartel they have no problem in killing kids just to set the example. You know what I mean? That you don't play around with. Wow. And he said, and he said, Gustavo, like two guys came here in a motorcycle, like. And they came here to kill him. Like I literally, I begged, begged for his life. And usually they don't let this fly, you know. And and then they uh, they said, you know, they never want to see him close by again or whatever. And then let it go. However, he said, like I wish I could say that I that I saved, you know, all of them, but I didn't. He said one kid got because he teaches like it's like I don't know, um, uh, maybe two hundred yards from from where the mats were placed. He lives really close by. And he said uh, one of the kids was in the same situation. And they did a drive-by here, and they shot him, like, right in front of my house. I just heard the shots inside. Pop, pop, pop. 
when he came out, the kid was dead. And this is like, we're talking young kids, you know? And so, um, it's the sport can do that to keep them busy, to get him out in jujitsu. It's, it, Again, that's an incredible tool. And I feel that everyone in the jiu-jitsu community can help a little bit. I'm not even saying that it's jiu-jitsu try, but help other organizations, any, I think, nonprofit that you can help. I think everyone can help a little bit doing something. If you connect, if you click with a message and really um, make sense to you, for sure, you know, take a look at jujitsutribe.org, And that's basically... Our focus is just that help those people, help those instructors to keep saving lives. We're not saving lives. You know, they they are really doing the job. We're just helping them, us, and I mean the organization and the donors that are, are making this happen so they can keep doing. Because if some of them, they they go like, man, I, I have to stop teaching because I need to get another job or, or whatever. Now those kids are back in the street. Um doing a bunch of stuff again so our our current project is we're buying a place to build a small little academy which is just basically a bathroom and a mat for this project so we're dividing three different phases so we're like 50 percent right now to kind of buy the land build the the uh, little academy and yeah, man, and so can get them off the street and they so they can serve more people, you know, and the idea is as soon as you're done with that, we go and look for new projects to support. Wow. Hey, say the, the coach's name again down there. It's Delio. Delio, Delio Lima. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like Delio really put himself in between two guys that were there to kill somebody a kid yep. you know like like even even worse than just a just a person or an adult like they're coming here to kill a kid and he put himself in between that and he stopped it amazing like he it could have easily been they killed him then they killed the kid like absolutely wow so they they kind of like tolerate him you know let's say this way because they live in a in a in a kind of neutral area in a way cuz it's like between like the two main cartels so they kind of like in the middle and they know that uh, he's doing good you know what i mean he's not and they know that you know he doesn't make any money with that they know that um they on that sense they kind of like oh okay you know we're, we're okay with this guy you know what i mean but if if they absolutely if they had to uh to set him as an example too you know they they definitely do it so and the cool thing is that how we found out about these projects, there is one, uh, there's a couple that the name on Instagram is, uh, if you put uh, the hashtag jujitsu on the road, which the name on Instagram is jujitsu na estrada, which is on the road. So this couple uh, used to work in the corporate world and it just got sick of it. You know, they don't want to do it anymore and it decided to, live in his van you know and travel around the country uh visiting social projects shooting documentaries so he does speak engagements and stuff and it's pretty awesome so i found out about him so i got in contact with him and uh, uh we became friends we've been sponsoring him for about two years now 
So he's our main contact on the floor that he goes in and find like the best, uh, the best projects. And, uh, and the thing is too, like when we had the first idea of start doing the, the remodels and stuff, I said like, Hey, what are the main candidates that we should look into it? And I said, Gustavo, the past year I travel and I visited 40, um, places. And he said, I honestly, I can give you only two names. I'm like, dude, no way. Two out of 40. I'm like, yep. And he said, like, there are incredible people doing uh, great work. Yes. But the thing is, you need to have a full package to to run something like that, which means if you put a full set up for a person that it's really kind of always complaining, being the victim, no one helps us or whatever, there's a good chance they're probably going to end up running that thing to the ground and all the money there is donated and everything going to crap. So the idea was he's like, man, here are the guys that they're not complaining. They're doing regardless, no matter what they're doing. They're not waiting for help from the government. They just, they just go after and and they make it. These are like the, the ones that if you know it, if you help, it will pay off and they will keep serving and, they will not get comfortable. They will keep going after, you know, improvements and more things to offer to the community. So even the, this process of picking who we're going to help, it's uh, being pretty selective because a lot of people get in contact with us like, hey, can you help us too? Hey, can you help us too? But uh, there's, especially in Brazil, there's so many, so many projects that we need to really pick and choose who, uh, are doing an incredible job and will continue to to do that because they do more than just teaching class. I mean, uh, they go, uh, maybe there's like parents meeting for the school and the, he go there to represent some of the parents that will not go there. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of like um, connection he has with them. Wow. It, it, it sounds like... Um... Like he's going beyond, well beyond what you think of as a jiu-jitsu coach, um, you know, from from stepping in between a couple of guys here to kill somebody to going to the school and playing the role of, of a parent is, and and really that role is probably well filled by him because he's giving them um, probably probably some uh, that figure of a of a parent sometimes, and and they look at him and 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 look for guidance in their lives. I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. There is a, cause, I mean, I don't usually I don't like to mention this too much. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, I'm the co-founder of the nonprofit, but I do my personal thing on the side. You know, that I support projects that are not with a under the Jiu-Jitsu tribe, but just for my personal that I help or athletes in different sports that I support and stuff like that. So, and that's something that I don't post and I put a picture or anything. But since it's going along with the topic I'm going to mention, there is one kid that, uh, that I sponsored that is from, uh, from there, uh, Melky. He is 16. So he's probably the most uh, talented there. And so when I met him and then, that you show him like, hey, I want you to meet uh, this kid and everything. And then he told me, because uh, he is one of the, the father figures for for this kid. Because his story is uh, the dad got hooked on crack and then left the house. 
the mom got hooked up with the head guy of the cartel. Okay. The brother works for the cartel and still like steal cars and stuff like that. And that kid is in the middle of all this mess. And he's actually a good kid and had good grades in school. So um in competing jujitsu. So he's like in such a thin line to go like, okay, let's just go bad all the way. You know, because what he's surrounded by is is pretty overwhelming how a kid like that can still like be a good kid to go to school and be surrounded all of that. So I've been helping him with um, the entry fees and stuff like that. I got him a little sponsor that gave him some uh, clothing and, and things just to kind of give him a little motivation. I sent him to train in Rio because the place where where they train, I mean, it's great, but it's it's limited. Technically, if he wants to compete, he needs better. So I sent him sent him to Rio to train with um, Fabio Andrade for, for three weeks. Uh, so now it's like this year he's going to turn um, 17. So pretty soon by the time you get 18, uh, that those kids start a lot of pressure at home. Like, hey, what are you going to do? We need to work, you know, to work. I need to help out at home, do whatever. And many of them end up stopping jiu-jitsu, you know, so getting this time, you know, so he can keep getting that experience and hopefully uh, uh, that could be a way for him because uh, he doesn't have many things happening for him. But with that said, Dalio is definitely a father for him. Wow. That's awesome. I just think about uh, all these kids here and then um, wherever the listeners are, um, oftentimes the kids will come into your gym and, and also be in similar situations, maybe not quite as extreme, but have a tough life and, and just kind of been able to take them into your, under your wing occasionally and help them out or support them a little bit. Uh, maybe if they're, if they're having to quit because they can't pay, uh, you know, membership, talk to the coach, maybe get a discount and you can help them out with that or something like that. Like helping some kids even just locally is is a fairly simple way. Um, th- now these kids are um, in a different situation, obviously. But how can somebody help uh, the Jiu-Jitsu tribe? Well, just going to the website, the Jiu-Jitsu tribe dot org, and then you can have different ways how you can donate. You can do a single donation. You can do monthly. Right now, currently, I haven't been doing. I'm getting back to it. Having been doing many seminars, but all the seminars that I that I've been teaching uh, have been fundraisers for Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. So I'll be kind of getting back to it, doing a little more so the listeners see my name around with seminars. Most likely is promoting uh, Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. That's something that gives me uh, an extra motivation to like really teach a seminar. You know, so I'm ready. I'm busy as it is with my events and my um, school and everything else that I do. So it's not like I'm really going after seminars. But now I'm trying to do some partnership with some some of my friends or school owners so we can do the fundraising seminars and to be able to help more people, you know. And one of the things that was interesting to that, man, it really uh, – Touch me when when I was there last year. Imagine and because they have class for kids, uh, teenagers, even adults too. Because they start at five thirty, go up to like ten thirty at night, 
because they have a lot of the adults in that area that they can't afford either. I mean, they can barely like survive. They don't have money for jujitsu. So he does a he offers the service for the community that know that those people cannot afford. So that include you know uh, a group of uh, adults too. But I remember after one of the classes. Um, so what he does, you. Imagine you just finish your class and then we sit and then the teacher comes in like, hey, guys, we just I brought some sandwiches here, just some French bread with butter and I brought some soda here and be like, "Okay, let's eat. And that's going to be the only meal we're going to have tonight. How does that sound? You know what I mean? That's pretty rough. So me sitting there eating with them like my heart was like like really touching I was um in a way I was feeling kind of bad that I'm like dude I don't want to like I don't want to be taking from them but they were stoked that I was sitting there eating with them you know what I'm saying so that was kind of like wow um and they go there and for a lot of the kids for a lot of them yeah that's that's what they're gonna eat that night you know what I mean and that's about it so the guy takes from his own pocket everything that he does you know, it, it's really not many donations. You know, he's just kind of go what he, he can. But he's, of course, he doesn't have much money at all. Um, but he still he still makes it happen. And all the kids are there are, are happy. Some of them have geese. Some they don't. Um, most of them now they have. But the idea is keep supporting, especially have some uh, like the monthly expenses is very important because the Gajitas project, the one that it's in the south of Brazil, the orphanage, um, last year, that was around maybe May, I think, 2019. So he, all the, uh, you know, his his power and water bills were late, almost like eight months. And they pay a little bit and they, they get kind of cut off and stuff like that. So we just use the money that, of course, that we raise and it helped to pay off that so it can start from zero. There's at least, you know, there's water, there's power. There's not going to be any chance of like having 18 kids in a, in a house and, and not uh, having water. You know what I mean? So that kind of helped them to to get settled to, to okay, now back from zero. And then we have, um, we guarantee... With the money that we raise, you have a salary from June of 2019 to June 2020, and hopefully close to that time we can raise more so we can kind of renew for one more year. That's the idea because they uh, they deserve. And man, I hope for sure the documentary is gonna is gonna make it in English live. Uh, at some point, it's going it's going to uh, people are gonna be able to find out, and it's pretty incredible. Yeah, please let us know uh, when that does come out, and then also let us know again when it's out in English. You said it, it'll be. It's, it sounds like it'll be out the time this this episode airs. Um, yes, yes, and that would be. I don't know what's their uh, their plan as far as it's coming out in a movie theater, which is cool. So I think they try to go to like some of those like festivals and so forth. Yeah. you know. Um, because it's, uh, I I think it's great to to fit in those festivals to show the reality of them to travel the struggle of traveling with all those kids and stuff like that. So um, 
and I'm very, I'm very glad to be part of that process. That's awesome. And, and so you said that people could donate. They could go onto the website there. You could donate just a one-time amount of money. You could sign up to do a monthly, quarterly, or six months or annually. Uh, donate that way. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And anyone, yeah, and anyone that uh, have a school and you like to do any partnership of promoting on a seminar or something, fundraising seminar, and then the deposit is made straight to the, to the nonprofit, we can give the tax write-off information, and we do our best to keep as much uh, transparency uh, as possible. And one of the things that we do, another way that you can help actually too is the BJJMethodCoach.com. So for people who don't know, I got involved with this about 10 years ago, the with the uh, the mental coaching and basically helping people to discover what is holding them back from performing to the best of your ability. So I feel that for all the listeners, if you have competed maybe a few times, I guarantee you that maybe at some point you left the tournament and said like, man, that was not me there. I don't know what happened. I did not perform the way I do at the academy, you know, so that is a very common, if you never happened with you, good for you, or, or maybe, uh, you haven't compete that much, but we all sometimes going to have some bad days and, and the program is just to try to help to find out like what, what prevented you from being your best self. And very often, many things that prevent you from being your best self on a mat could be holding you back from perform to the best of your abilities in life, in your personal and professional. And through competitions, I discover a lot of my negative patterns and I believe that every single one of you can discover too if you really investigate. So with that said, I create um, a few a few products. I uh, have some free ones. I have some paid ones. I have some paid online courses. So all the everything that is sold on the BJJ Metal Coach dot com all the digital products 100% goes to live jiu-jitsu well formerly live jiu-jitsu because that's we changed to jiu-jitsu tribe last year and so that's the idea um because again it's something that i wasn't super active with with it i'm like well there's a lot of good knowledge here so might as well let's get this out and it, that's another way to people can donate and they're getting something back, like, okay, I'm helping a cause, plus I'm getting uh, a content that can help. So we, so the content has helped a lot of people, a lot of high-level competitors from uh, Black Belt World Champions to just amateur uh, competitors that are competing for the first time or white belts. It's just the concepts are the same. And if you'd like to check out some free information before, you have the list of the top 10 mental mistakes jiu-jitsu competitors make and how to avoid them. And you can download the audio and the 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 videos for free at the BJJMetalCoach.com. And if you want any of the, the paid products, and then you can take a look, see if it's for you. And yes, and that's going to be donated to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. That's cool. And yeah, if you find yourself uh, competing and maybe you're really nervous. Maybe you, like you were saying, um, you don't feel like you were yourself or you're getting beat by somebody who you're actually a better grappler than that person. Good chance that you're just not mentally engaged. And that's something that um, you look at professional sports, like the big ones, those people are tuned physically 
technically and mentally. They get into a zone before they they compete to where they're not, um, you know, making making mental mistakes. And um, it takes time and and uh, technique to get you there. But it just is so easy. We all think, yeah, I got to get a you know a tighter arm bar or a better back take or whatever it is. But if you have all that stuff. And you go out there and you're super nervous or like you hesitate or whatever it is, uh, stuff doesn't work that good. So to be there mentally is, is a big step that a lot of people just ignore. Yeah, I like to say, I mean, the way I personally see it, when you reevaluate your performance and when you talk about reevaluating a performance, that means when you're losing. But let's let's talk about, let's say, losing, right? But usually... If you, when you look into it, like, why did I lose or whatever, it's going to be related to four key elements in my, my view. Yeah. Like it could be, maybe you made a technical mistake. Maybe uh, you're the system that you're playing, the guard you're playing, whatever was missing something or whatever. Maybe you made a technical mistake. So that's easy to fix. You know, you watch your footage. You're like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I can't do this. I can't do that. Great. Then you have the strategic aspect that sometimes not necessarily a technical, but sometimes some of the choices that you make during the match, you know, maybe like, well, you chose to play that specific system with someone and they were really good at shutting down, or maybe you should have pulled and try to take down. We got to get whatever. Like sometimes there's some choices that you make, uh, during the match that it just happens fast in the middle of a scramble. Maybe you try to pull fast and someone just uh, timed it. So the things that can they can be related to the uh, strategic part. Then we have the physical aspect, which can be to different areas because especially if you're competing IBJJF rules and regulations, if you, man, you, you might be training like a freaking animal, but if you go to compete completely dehydrated with nothing in your body, man, I, I don't care if you have a Ferrari, you don't have gas when you're driving that bad boy, and your body is going to be the same way if you go there completely. So, yes, um, the physical could be could be that, or or sometimes you just you just speed up, just went like just blitz just way too hard and end up not keeping up, end up getting tired, or, or maybe you're just not completely prepared but usually something related physical and the i think the toughest one to fix is uh the mental and emotional one you know the the one who you couldn't perform because or whatever reason for some reason something was holding you back something was causing you to be anxious and you couldn't let go and be yourself and for everyone is watching and have competed before and you have one of those days we have to agree that one of the most frustrating things is that when you leave a competition knowing that you did not do your best you know that are like man i can do better i can actually do better than that guy i can't believe that you know uh, i actually lost that person i'm so much better than that sometimes it's better just to be submitted you know like you know what yeah the guy did well you know Congrats, let's move, see what happened. Then you know that you lost yourself. And and that is a tough one. So with that said, you need to take, it, it takes a lot of self-awareness to really recognize that, okay, something is off. 
and let's do it. Let's do something. And this is something personal that I did. You know, I felt that at one moment in my career, I went through my roller coaster of confidence, per se, uh, from the beginning, from having zero confidence to building uh, super high and then losing everything and then building back up for different moments uh, in my life. And then I just noticed that I was kind of anxious, you know, not that I, and it wasn't about results, not the results were, weren't showing, not about that. I just, I, I don't know, as I got older, you start questioning a few things and I'm like, man, I just don't like how I'm feeling. You know, I don't like that uh, that anxiety. And then I started to just Google. And from there, I, I kind of really started my personal development journey. And after two years of really working on myself, doing some of the... Because I did ment uh, mental coach certifications and stuff like that. Not to be a mental coach. It's just for me to figure out my issues. And little by little, I started to share with some of my students that I noticed that they they struggle in competition and I noticed that they start doing better. And next thing I'm like, Hey, uh, um, I'm going to do a, a, a class at this Saturday. Whoever wants to come in, I'm going to talk about mental training, some of the stuff that I've been learning. And, and at the same time I was learning, but implementing competitions, you know, like really uh, test driving everything that I was, was learning and 40 students showed up and I was like, wow, wow. You know, you always think they're the only one has a problem. So uh, from there, it's just kind of evolved and I started doing speaking engagements and then um, said, you know, I, I don't want to keep traveling everywhere. So I created uh, the products online and uh, and then from there the, um, to cough. And now I'm in, I'm in a little different phase with the podcast, uh, the Vision Mental Coach podcast. We do talk a little bit when I interview someone high-level competitors, but it's mainly for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs, business owners, high performers that have jiu-jitsu in their lives. So it could be uh, in a, a blue belt that owns a business. And then we talk more about the connection with uh, jiu-jitsu and entrepreneurship and sharing their success, failures, their, their habits, their struggles, what did they learn from it. So it's it's dedicated. Sometimes people, hey, talk about the training, talk about. I'm like, man, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts you can talk about. Uh, you can hear that, but here it's more to entrepreneurship, business, and and that connection. You know, a lot of personal development. So I like I like to talk about jujitsu. But I, I like to talk about other things too, <laughs> you know, just like just jujitsu. And so I'm a personal development junkie. So I really enjoy that. So like, hey, uh, so yeah, so now we're um, January 2020, we're 84 episodes in once a week. So it's going really well and learning a lot. So I guarantee you, Byron, with men, with the amount of episodes you got, you know, the amount of like knowledge that you got from over 300 interviews you know what i mean yeah it's it's really nice to talk to people like you uh one-on-one -on -one really i mean we're we share this with everybody but I, I get to have a conversation with such a variety of people and i, I know you're experiencing that as well and it's been it's really been uh, a big change in my life just sitting down you know about once a week with with somebody sometimes i do two or three in a day you know interviews back to back but um just talking to these really amazing people 
and uh, and learning from them and and getting little glimpses into what they're they're like. Um, talking about this, all this stuff, the the mental side of jujitsu, and then then the then the uh, jujitsu tribe and and helping these kids. I see kind of a a connection, not really with the mental side of competing, but you're really changing these kids. Um, the the way they feel about themselves, I'd imagine, and, and the way that they're going to be adults. Like the first step is get them off the street so they don't die tomorrow, and, and eventually turn them into adults that are that are doing what they want to do with their lives. They get past that really dangerous phase in their life where they could be used by um, you know drug cartels or whoever, and get them past that. And then put them into a situation where they have, have they have seen what hard work does. Hard work on the mats means you can become really good at jiu-jitsu. Hard work off the mats, you know, at school or at, at your actual job means you can become really good at whatever you put your focus on. And so you're you're, you're changing them, uh, you're, you're protecting them physically, and you're changing them mentally as as they become adults. I think that's a tremendous um, transformation you guys are doing there. Yeah, and and at the same time, uh, it's and it's not easy for one sense too that you know yeah I we we help as much as we can. But one of the things that I I can definitely see here and I imagine even more in in Brazil, like you can say to the kid, you know, like yeah, man, you gotta you know if you work hard, you believe in your dreams and all that stuff and make it happen, but. Uh, for example, for a lot of the, the the coaches that I meet from social projects, they say that very often the parents are the challenge. You know, like sometimes they say maybe one kid does have a potential to maybe pursue jiu-jitsu, but, you know, or maybe or whatever dream he wants, but and then it gets shut down by, by the mom that, or, or dad that love him, but like, what? Achieve what? Now you need to get a job here. You need to do that. Now this is like that doesn't work. Kind of shut him down, you know. So that's that's kind of like pull and push there. That yeah. Sometimes he's motivating, but some of the close-minded parents there, it's kind of like like this is not you know fantasy world. That this is reality. You need to get a a job. You know they they don't believe that good things really can happen, and that's just the way they were brought up, and they're trying to repeat the cycle and i think those uh teachers are trying to do is see if they can uh, break the uh, uh the cycle somehow but it's it's a big battle so sometimes people ask me gustavo are you going to create any products for kids and usually i say no because if i create everything that i try to do i need to find a way to connect with the parents. I need to change the parents' mind, not the kids. They're going to listen to who? To me or the highest authority? Whatever the highest authority mom and dad said, that's going to stick with it. So it's more like try to change the mind of the the parents and, and then with that, maybe like, oh, yeah, and then they can pass the message because if, if not, it's it, it can be pretty challenging. Yeah, you almost need to make a product uh, your kid started jiu-jitsu. How to, how to, to, to be a good parent with that? And and uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's a good idea. Like, probably for kids helps a little bit. And then the parents have a bad attitude towards jiu-jitsu. 
they're going to stop doing jujitsu. There's nothing that that the kid can do about it. I mean, if the if the parents say no, yeah, there's uh, it's uh, it's hard when we talk about kids training and possibly when competitions get involved and you got some of the intense parents that. They need a kid to win so they can go to work and say, like, hey, look at what my kid did. My kid is awesome. And so he's freaking out when they lose because now what he's going to say at work, you know. So he's trying to live his, um, I don't know, a lot of their frustrated dreams through the child. And unfortunately, this happened, you know, and that's when you see some of the parents, they yell uh I cannot even have a word for that, but like, like so many like stupid and mean things to kids when they and this is not just jujitsu, any sport. Yeah, that you know, or you suck. I mean, things that people say like, dude, you know, because um, yeah, maybe they they just they want a little trophy. They want to tell you know their coworkers, look at you know my son, you know this and that, and then now they're losing. Like you're disappointing me. You know, making me look bad, you know, so uh, that's that's a tough one. You know, that's a tough one to deal with some of the intense parents. Yeah. In reality, you make you look bad by being mad at your kid <laughs> when they didn't win. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we've talked about quite a few things. You you also have you, you said, you know, you're busy um, and, and some of the things you do are events. You have a competition there in Arizona, is that correct? Yeah, I've been promoting for 20 years now. Wow. This is our 20th year, and we're just rebranding the organization to the Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu League and um, trying to put more connection with Jiu-Jitsu Tribe as well to start. Uh, we're promoting but little by little, and we want more and more to uh, – find different ways to do fundraisers through the competitions. So the competitions started when I basically when I moved to Arizona to, in 2000. And one of the things too that are with the, the competition, uh, when people ask me why um, did I start uh, promoting, I, um, I learned this uh, this quote, once that is uh, that said, let your irritations inspire you. So I I feel that everyone that is listening, maybe there's something that something that really annoyed you, like oh man, this really annoyed me. And then maybe that maybe a service or something, and then either you just complain about it, or you said, you know what. I think I can do something better. I'm going to do something about it. So that's the case of letting your irritations inspire you, inspire you to do something. If you don't like something, you do something better then. So, and that's what happened when I moved to Arizona. The competition scene was uh, non-existent, basically. And there's one promoter in town that was, uh, he's just, uh, not only didn't have experience, but you know what I'm talking about when people are not doing it for the good reasons. You know that okay. you know just try to get the money, and and that means disrespectful to competitors, spectators, to to everyone. And I went to two tournaments and said, okay, this is a pattern. This is not going to change. The third tournament is going to be just like that, and I want to see my students competing. 
So I did an in-house tournament. 40 people showed up. And I did, in, for four years, I did in-house tournaments. And after four years, we broke 100 people, which was actually 116 people. So we're talking like 2004, um, close, close to 2005. So nowadays here in Arizona, yeah, we have a lot more. But back then, break 100 people. In uh, early 2000s, that's kind of huge win, you know. And and then I ran a small little gym, and then did the first tournament out of the inside of the school, and there was 150 people. And then start growing. Now we have basically from 40 in a year. Now we have 4,000 competitors a year, and six events a year we have some different events we have some that is just kids one is just female we have one that's just masters have an ogi have a novice and they have the three main big ones for all the divisions but um in all these years preparing people for bigger tournaments because we do ibgf rules and regulations and one of the things that a lot of people, and I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, um, I'm not as involved in competition going myself competing or even going to tournaments. I, I, haven't, I haven't gone in a while. But I do believe in the power of competition. Like I said, jiu-jitsu is an incredible personal development tool. You don't need competition to take, you know, yes, of course, you're going to feel more confident, better shape, you, you, raise your uh, emotional resilience levels. Yeah, there's so many great things. When you put competition to it, it, it just amplify the power of the tool. You know, the emotional resilience, yes, now even more because now dealing with your emotions, performance, expectations, and now that how can you perform in an under pressure environment? How do and and how well can you transfer all this experience to your life, to your business? So that's why I'm a big fan. I think everyone should compete at least once just to go through the process. And I think if people have competed before. I think you can agree that you get to learn a lot about yourself in competitions and in, in under pressure situations. So that's why I'm a big fan. I inspire people to compete. I'm like, man, go for it, but go for your own reason. So one of the things when I look back, man, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 30 years. So um, more than half of my, my jiu-jitsu journey, it was heavily outcome-based. You know, in the, the 90s and, and then all this just like win, 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 win. You got you to win the gold medal. And as I start getting older, I start to reevaluate things. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I start competing for all other reasons, for about the internal challenge, you know, the emotional challenge. And it start to become more fun, let's say, to compete. I start to uh, perform better enjoy uh the competition better you know and that's the concepts that i do my best to share with people it's in a lot with the the beauty mental coach it's uh, when i was young it was like i used to mix my image of me as an athlete and me as a person you know what i mean and that's the number one thing that i tell my students and everyone who's listening don't mix up you as a competitor and you as a person winning or losing a tournament a event a game is not going to make you a better or worse worthwhile person and 
for the longest time, especially when I was younger, you know, and I did. If you win, yay. My self-esteem is great and I'm awesome. And then now I lose. Oh, my God, this is the end of the world. You know, I'm, I'm horrible. And just to understand that it's a game, you know, it's a sport. And this not winning or lose not going to define you as a, as a human being. And that helps to take a lot of pressure from people. And that's sort of all that I wish to my students or anyone who's listening and supports the BJJ Mental Coach movement that I like to say because it's more an idea that I'm sharing of, man, um, just do the best you can with the tools and knowledge you have right now. So when you go to a tournament, I tell him my goal is for maybe Monday. I see him uh, ask, how was the tournament? How did you feel? Because if they say like, man, I felt great. I competed well, but I made a mistake and I got caught or whatever. But at least you're at peace that you know you did the best you could. You know, so not like how was it? Nah, man, I froze up. I was tense. I'm like, you know, now it's like, do it again, do it again to really start to overcome that fear. And you got to put yourself out there to do that. You know, you got to be consistent because if you start developing very often, people start developing the fear of failure in competition. Next thing they have fear of failure of accepting other challenges in life. And this is just good that keeps you on, on your toes of like always challenging yourself. And competition is just, in jiu-jitsu competition is just an example. But I'm saying like people in, in your life, you should be accepting challenges. You know, see that something is like, ah, it's too much of a comfort zone. Let's just throw a little challenge here and there to just mix things up. You know, and I think jiu-jitsu competitions, it's a great uh, opportunity to do so. Also, uh, people are interested. I wrote a book about five years ago, launching your launching your BJJ competition journey after 30, 10 steps to maximize your tournament experience. So basically, I talk about people would ask me like, "Hey, Gustavo, I'm going to compete. What should I do?" And I have like all the ideas in my head. Like, well, I guess I just put it in a book. And then a lot of personal development before understanding why you even want to compete and and then the steps, more like IBJJF, rules and regulations related. But this book has helped a lot of people that have never competed, have people, instructors, you know, points of view that, you know, they they haven't um, thought about it. So you, you can find an, an Amazon, you can find the book there, or you can find the ebook version on uh, the website, the BJJMethodCoach.com. That's awesome. And, uh, Put links to those on the uh, uh, show notes as well, so people can find them easy. But yeah, and but yeah, that, that's the thing that um, I'm trying to this year, 2020, trying to get back a little more with the BJJ Mental Coach. I mean, I do with yeah. the, the podcast, but now um, I'm trying to put some ideas together of the BJJ Mental Coach with Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. And matter of fact, I'm I'm working on I'm, I'm working on some some ideas here that do some partnerships with doing some mental coaching with some, with some people. And then they help to promote uh, a, a fundraising seminar or something, you know? So most likely you guys are going to see the name of the organization popping up a little, a little more. And I think little by little, as people know about the cause and, and 
see the the cases, the everything, the what are we doing to help? I think people people will be able to support and hopefully maybe inspire people to do some of the projects here in US. Who knows? That's 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 great, uh, Gustavo. Where should somebody go if they want to uh, follow you or connect with you? Is it social media or just the website? What's what's the best place? Man, I got a bunch of websites and all the stuff, but, you can, <laughs> but I think the one that I check more is the Instagram okay. at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, and then from there you can you can send me a message, and then if you just put my name on Google, all kinds of websites gonna pop up from the little bit of everything I do, and sometimes uh, I feel I, I like to say I don't know if I heard of this, but it's like sometimes you have we like to say that we have our plate full, you know, like man, I got so much in my plate. And very often I just say, like, yeah, I got so much thing in my plate. Just give me a bigger plate so I can put more stuff on my plate. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel. I end up doing too much. And once in a while, I need to kind of control and cut a few things back. I used to do high-performance coaching for entrepreneurs, something that I really enjoy. But I had to cut that back, too, because it's um, time, you know, on top of yeah. that and my personal life and family and um, so forth. But... Yeah, I mean, you want need to get in contact with me. Instagram is an easy one, and jujitsutribe.org, and just follow. You can follow on Instagram as well, Jujitsu Tribe at Jujitsu Tribe. All right, uh, Gustavo, thank you so much for for hopping on here with me. Anything else you want to leave with the audience? No, that's it. It's just um, well, thank you. It's been five years. And anyone like to check out the podcast, if you feel that the format works for you, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you like to uh, know more about, you know, business owners, people, maybe you're a business owner and you're going to hear not just school owners that have different types of business owners, but that connection between jujitsu and entrepreneurship. So the podcast is for you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I want to thank Gustavo Dantas for hopping on the BJJ Brick podcast and sharing uh, what he's up to these days. Do check out jujitsutribe.org. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. And if you're able to support uh, the Jujitsu Tribe and, and you've heard uh, some of the things that, that they're doing and helping those those kids that are having some tough times, man, it would be amazing if you could help them out. And, and uh, the best way to do that is on the website, jujitsutribe.org. And if, if you can't do that, but you know somebody who would maybe uh, be able to or, or would like to help this sort of thing out, share the episode with them. That means a lot to us, and it would also help Gustavo get the word out. Uh, just just tell a friend or, or send them a message on Facebook with this the link to this in there, or however you share things. You know what you're doing. Uh, maybe set up a robo-calling system to let people know about this interview. Any of that That's would be appropriate. Idea. Yeah, don't do that. That's not a fun <laughs> thing. But uh, tell a friend, not a random stranger with a robocall. That's always been our philosophy, and we're sticking with it, Gary. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Avery Clements on the show from Jiu-Jitsu Times, and happy to 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 have an article from her and uh, kind of get some of her content back on the show. So uh, if, you, if you missed the interview with Avery, if you missed the interview with Avery, check it out. It's a couple episodes back. This article, yeah, it is on jujitsutimes.com. It is I'm blank and blank 
should I train jujitsu? So it could be, and she explains it, it could be anything. It could be I'm or, old, I'm fat, I'm short, I'm tall, I'm busy, whatever whatever your excuse is. I'm this and this. Should I try jujitsu? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> that's, a, that's a short answer. <laughs> uh, we all have some excuses in the back of our heads. And it don't let that keep you off the mat any any longer than it already has. Yeah, and the thing about being old and small or fat, those are all external things that everybody else can see. And if you're one of those things, then you're aware that everybody knows that when I walk in the door. But people that don't fall into those categories, they're still scared. Maybe they've got previous injuries that they're worried about. Maybe they've got what it's saying there. You're the parents of twelve. I mean, there's a lot of things that people can't see or that you can't see in other people. So if you think you're walking into the gym and you're more intimidated or feel more out of place than anybody ever has, that's not the case. You're you're in good company. Everybody feels, I think, a little bit intimidated and a little bit out of place when they go to the first jujitsu match. But that will go away quickly. You know what I love about. Uh, jiu-jitsu school, a jiu-jitsu club, is you have so many different people there with different goals. I mean, where else can you be a lawyer and just come in after work just to uh, get a little bit of workout in and train with professional MMA fighters? You know, you can be a housewife and train with a lawyer. Um, but what is so great, it is intimidating to walk in. You know, you're afraid there's you know, going to be some really tough people who are looking to hurt you. And, and I have never seen that as the case. And what I see is a great bunch of people. If I'm not a competitor, I can train with other people who are not competitors. Even the competitors will train with me and tone it down. Um, I I've met so many good people and I, I gotta admit, I was very nervous trying it at first. And and I was worried I was going to get hurt. I was worried I was going to get beat up. I had no clue what I was going into. I just thought it was going to be something like the UFC. Instead, I found out it was probably a bunch of the bunch of nicest people I've ever met who really cared about me and made sure I didn't get hurt, but also pushed me to get better, to do the best I can. And, uh, you know, I've made friends for life. And I'm not saying that I've made myself when I talk about jujitsu, I'm not saying, you know, I've turned myself into a stone cold killer. When I talk about jujitsu, I say I've made friends for life and I've had fun. And that's what I, that's what I get out of it. But I just love the different, different type of people that with all different goals and different mindsets that you'll meet, but we're all there for one thing to help everybody with their goal. Their goal could be win a world championship, become a Bellator fighter, um, to just lose five pounds, to lose 20 pounds, to, to make friends. And there's a bunch of different reasons people come and your school will cater to each and every individual. It might cater to every individual. It depends what school you go to. I mean, that's why they, uh, in the audio book, I, t- I talk about finding, uh, the right school for you. You might walk into a gym and it might just be, uh, not a good fit for you. Check out another one. And, and they should treat you like a customer. They should want to earn your business. And and if you don't feel like, like they want you there, 
as a customer, maybe you could, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to, to especially it's earlier on, it's easier to, to like, well, I'm going to check this other gym. If you go there for a month or a year or five years, it's a little harder to check out another gym. And that's okay too. At some point in time, if it's not working out for you, you got to make a change. But um, uh, making a little bit of wiggling earlier on is, is definitely a lot easier. But yeah, I'm with you guys. If, if it sounds interesting to train jujitsu to you, you're listening to a podcast about jujitsu. Regardless of what your excuses are, you should at least go check it out. And and if you have excuses like you're you're not in great shape, or you've never been good at any other sports before, or whatever, you've never done martial art. That stuff doesn't matter. It it's about improving a little bit today, or maybe this week, or this month, and that's it. Just getting a little bit better than than who you were last time, and. To, to have the goal of, I mean, I want to be great. I want to be, I want to be that, you know, white belt world champion or go out win a bunch of tournaments. The first step is to just start training and have, um, have a couple of good experiences on the mat. And that's really what you should be aiming for, especially early on in your, in your jiu-jitsu. But you talk to the, you know, Gary and Joe and myself, some of the main things we're aiming for is to have a good time on the mats and, and anything else comes after that is just bonus. Yeah, and you know, if if you or somebody you know is thinking about trying jujitsu and they're worried about uh, maybe a previous injury or some physical limitations, we know we've had guests on the show, plenty of jujitsu athletes, uh, double amputees, uh, paraplegics, uh, blind individuals, um, and, and and many older grapplers, not old like Gary and I, but in their seventies and eighties. Um, so there, there's always a way you can find to ju- ju- do jujitsu and have a good time doing it. Yeah. Next week. I mean, we, we, we're going to talk about the next week episode anyway. Uh, we have Jess Munter back on the podcast. And, uh, if you don't know who Jess Munter is, she has, uh, she had a injury. I think it's called a brachial plexus injury while she, during childbirth. So as she was being born, she got injured and she can't use basically her left arm. And as hard as her life was and stuff growing up and having to deal with uh, this sort of injury and eventually, I think around the college time, she found jujitsu and she loves it. And, you know, and I don't know if it really matters. She's also really good at it. But even if she wasn't good at it, if she gets that kind of joy out of it, man, what a great thing to add to anybody's life. So uh, I, I do think it's important to take away or to separate the the joy from being successful at it. Although Jess has competed all over the world. She's, she's competed in uh, lots of different types of tournaments and, and against people who have use of all of their limbs and have no uh, uh, physical disabilities at all. Like, man, what an individual. And, and like, yeah, like Joe was saying, we've interviewed uh, Shannon Kitchen and Brian Freeman, people with, with some pretty impressive hurdles to get over. And, uh, and they're on the mats uh, and they're getting a huge benefit out of this, and they're doing with man. It's great to share Matt and share some airtime with them. But uh, next week, that's the interview is Jess Munter, and I think it fits in well with this article. And like, okay, my excuse is I'm a little out of shape and I haven't done any fitness for a year and a half or ten years or since I got out of school or whatever. Uh, you know what? Look, compare your excuse to Jess's. Jess is out there doing great. Uh, it's time to time to get started here, guys. Yeah, once you get started. You you get in the you get in the the school, you'll start feeling more comfortable. But you know, I want to go back to you know we're talking about benefits of jujitsu and like you were saying, Byron, uh, 
having fun, you know, having fun for me, my goal is different than some people is the most important thing for me, but I've played a lot of sports in my life, but the one thing I like about jujitsu versus a lot of the other sports is my mind works so much while I'm training jujitsu and not to say my mind isn't working when I'm playing other sports, but you know, I, I can think about last week's episode and we were talking about the submission guard and uh, Byron was talking about, you know, I'm in the middle of grappling, you know, with a guy who's got a, you know, a s- strong submission guard and I think I'm going to pass, but then I realize I'm getting set up. I have to stop and re-engineer everything. And it just seems, you know, I've played a lot of sports in my life, but it seems like jujitsu has a more intellect in it. And, you know, I don't mean to put down other sports, but I think that's one thing I really like about it. I don't have to be the biggest. I don't have to be the strongest. I don't have to be the most flexible. I don't have to be the smartest, but you know, you put a little bit of all that together and I'm having fun and, and I don't care if I tap somebody out or not. A lot of times I'm just excited if I can go five minutes and without gassing, or if I can, uh, when I escape uh, out of a submission, you know, that brings great joy, but I just love the, besides the, the social aspects of it. I love the, the intellect aspect of it also. Yeah. Gary, is it always your goal to, to go five minutes? (laughs) In a lot of things it is. Um, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Gary. Some, we someday all, we all know you're there. like Conor McGregor and you finish in 40 seconds. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever lasted that long. Buddy. Or been compared to Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, check out the article, guys, jujitsutimes.com. And you know what? Another good way to do it is just click on Avery's name and, and a bunch of her stuff will pop up because she does write really good articles and, and we enjoyed having her on the show a little while back. Yeah, go back and check that episode out. And if you look at Jiu-Jitsu Times or, like like Byron said, you just type her name in there all the time, you see her name all over the place. She writes great articles and is a, a pioneer for the Jiu-Jitsu front. Yep. Uh, guys, we appreciate our Patreon supporters. I want to give a, qu- a quick shout-out to a few of them. James, Brian, and Allison, thank you, guys. For your continued support on Patreon, it means a bunch to us, and it's really a big support to the show. Patreon is the main way uh, that this show is funded. And if you would like to support the show, we would greatly appreciate that. There's a link in the show notes for Patreon, or you can go to Patreon's website and type in BJJ Brick. We should be the only BJJ Brick that pops up. (laughs) Or you can go to BJJ Brick's website and find the Patreon link through there. However you do it, we greatly appreciate it. Most people pledge. There's two like pledge levels between, or you know, a dollar or three dollars per episode, and that's it. At the end of the month, um, your your little pledge that you did comes due, and uh, the money goes and helps support us and keep us what we're doing. Uh, as a token of our appreciation, I'll mail you out a five inch BGG brick gi patch and a sticker. And uh, and you're also invited to join our private Facebook group for the Patreon supporters. Uh, if you are already on Patreon and haven't joined the private Facebook group, send me a message, bjjbrick at gmail.com, and I'll get you added in there. If you have any message you want to send me in general, a question for the show, or you know anything that you, you have for us, bjjbrick at gmail.com, or message our Facebook page. So we have a public page, bjjbrick. Send us a message on there, and we'll be happy to have fun with you and chat with you there. Oh, and before we let you go, we got to let you know, in March, Joe, what's the date? March 7th at the locations Lake Jackson, Texas. 
You going to be there, Byron? I guarantee it. <laughs> Unless I'm in the <laughs> hospital or something crazy happens, uh, it's going to be me and my coach, Jake Fox, teaching uh, basically two seminars in one day. We're calling it uh, a kind of a, it's kind of like another BJJ Brick camp, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of technique. I'm going to come out there and show you guys some of my favorite ways to take the back and how to attack once you're on the back. Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's something that needs more work in jiu-jitsu. It's, it's, if you look at it on paper, it's the most powerful position in jiu-jitsu is the back. We need to get there as much as possible, and we need to have good, clean finishes once we're there. And uh, I'm going to share that with you guys. It's, it's been some stuff that has been really good for my game. And uh, Jake's, Jake Fox is going to – I trained with a guy named Jake Smith and Jake Fox, <laughs> usually on the same day. Uh, and I always call the other one the good-looking Jake if I'm talking to one of them. Anyway, but I almost said Jake Smith. Jake Fox is going to be there showing you uh, a series of passes uh, from leg drag that are going to lead to the back. Unbeatable combination. Ooh. So it's like you're going to be in someone's guard. You're going to pass the guard, take the back, and then and then work for the submit for the submission. And uh, and that's really what we're working on there. Uh, we're pairing up. We've we've talked about it. We've planned this this these two seminars. We've gotten the match up perfectly. And uh, man, I'm excited about this uh, this chance to to meet uh, our listeners down there in the Houston area and uh, get spend some time with Joe and and have some good times. I think we're doing a barbecue or uh, or going to the beach that evening as well. Man, we're gonna have a good time, Joe. Yeah, yeah, we'll have an hour intermission and uh, between the two seminars, and there's acai at the gym. Ooh. And our, our everybody that comes to the seminar, they'll get fifty percent off on an order of acai if they want to have that for lunch. And then afterwards, we're gonna go to the beach and have a barbecue and just have a good time. Yep, and we can watch Joe shoot off some signal flares <laughs> that are rated for uh, you know seaworthiness to be seen from hundreds of miles away. Well, Byron yeah, would let's would, not do that. <laughs> Byron could put out the fire if he has to. But hey, I want to chime in here real quick. I have been to Byron's back seminar, and I'm not just saying this because Byron is a, a teammate, a trainer, and a podcaster with me, but um, it. I really got a lot out of his back control seminar. I, I did back control with him, um, but it has changed my back back attacks. Um, you know, you have to control them first, and and um, uh, so I highly recommend it. Um, and also, I want to say I think Jake Smith is a good looking one, not Jake Fox. <laughs> That's funny. It's whichever one you're not you're not talking to. You, you, you refer to him as the the other Jake. You know, the good looking one. Yes. <laughs> But thank you for the kind words, Gary. I'm excited uh, to, to head down to Texas here in a little bit. Well, guys, I've had a great week. It was awesome to get Gustavo Dantas back on the show. Uh, he never disappoints. Uh, check out uh, all the links in the show notes to, to support him there. Uh, and uh, he's doing some great work. And I'm really proud to have him back on the show. Uh, until then, my friends, get rid of those robocalls. You can do it. This method worked for me. And if it does work for you, I want to know about it. Uh, send me that email at bjbrick.gmail.com and tell me how you defeated the robocalls. Same submission that I used. But until then, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Train like a robot and get better at jujitsu. Hasta luego. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.